0: today and uh, I'm going to pray for us Lord um, thank you for your word thank you for Easter, thank you for Palm Sunday, thank you for um, yeah your death on the cross Lord and that song we were singing um, where you, you know you turn seas into highways makes you think of the salvation of your people out of Egypt. You know, you just make a way when there's no way, God, and I thank you for that. I want to also um, just uh, thank you for um, yeah those words like turning bones into armies and thinking of the the prophecy out of Ezekiel, where um, God asks Ezekiel, "Can these bones live?" You know, and and you and you make this army out of out of bones and and you bring life where there was no life, and I praise you for that, God. And so as we come to uh, come to Easter reflecting on the death of your son and the, and his resurrection we're reminded of that great power that you have to bring something out of nothing we're reminded of the power that you have that raised your son Jesus to life again and today god whatever situation we're in no matter how dead it seems no matter how how uh you know broken and and um and and uh messed up it might seem, Lord, I thank you for the power of God, for your power that can raise us back to life, give us transformation. Pray that would be true for each one of us. Pray that um, as we look at look at your word that you'd speak, that your Holy Spirit would move in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as I said, it's Palm Sunday and we, I, I just shared that reading out of Mark 11 earlier where Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and it's the beginning of his Passion Week, what we call Passion Week, which is just the week leading up to his death on the cross. And um, he's, he's, as he's entering in, the crowd around him is shouting, Hosanna, you know, welcome, it's the son of David. They're really, they're really pointing to this guy as this is our Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. The nation of of Israel has been waiting for this guy to finally, you know, come and and God's about to do something, you know, and he's entering into Jerusalem and they've found this, um, you know, and and Jesus does this in a prophetic way, really. He, he, He tells his disciples, go and get that donkey so that I can ride it in just like a king would do and people will see me as this king figure, you know, and this is partly what he wants for his people, right, and for the crowd, they're thinking, beauty. We're finally able to get get rid of this Roman oppression. We're going to have a king on the throne. You know, we're going to, you know, everything that we've been hoping for is finally coming to pass. And we and we thought it might have been this guy, and, and now it looks like it is, right? And so as he enters into into uh, Jerusalem, this is the hope of um, of the Jewish people, right? Their their nationalistic pride is there, and they're going, yes. While it looks like they're praising Jesus, um, and, and they are in a sense, they're also sort of saying they've got like this political motive as well. Like, yes, finally, we're going to find some freedom. You know, we're, we're going to um, get some salvation. We've got a Messiah again. We've got someone who will be like David was for us. Who, who, who gave us security as a nation. And, um, and so this is, this is a little bit of what's going on on Palm Sunday. But what they don't realise was that although they wanted an earthly king and although Jesus is entering in as an earthly king, what they're going to find is the way he secures salvation for his people is very different, isn't it? He doesn't end up on a throne. He ends up on a cross, right, in just a few days. And this crowd that's been... Surrounding him and is has all this energy and excitement for him, laying out their cloaks on the road for him. You know, which is just unheard of. You know, you don't do that. It's the the, the road is filthy. You don't just do that for anyone. While they have all this energy for him, it reaches. Um, you know, a few days later. You know, and and I'm thinking the the Garden of Gethsemane. There's no crowd you know, and um, and as, as he's uh, on the cross, you know, the crowd is mocking him and there's just this great contrast between today and Friday. And so they must be very confused, <laughs> you know, come Friday. But this is what we're going to look at today is just um, the first couple of days of Passion Week, right? Mark puts these stories on Monday and Tuesday of Passion Week and what we find, Jesus spends most of his time in Passion Week He's staying in Bethany outside of Jerusalem, and he's and he's traveling each day into Jerusalem to be in the temple and to be teaching people. Right, this is this is what he does, and and it's like his whole ministry is really intensifying. Everything that he's done over the over his um, few years of ministry, traveling around, healing people, feeding people, you know, freeing people from. Um, you know, their sickness and, and all of these things that are going on kind of culminates to this point in this week where he starts really getting very pointed. And, and on a one, one um, he's, he's, he's just got like one direction in this mission and, he's, and he knows he's heading to the cross. And he's been telling his disciples that as well as they've travelled about. He tells them three times, he says, hey, the Son of Man's going to Jerusalem. Um, I'm going to be handed over to the chief priest the religious leaders, and and I'm going to be crucified, right? And three days later, I'll be raised to life. And so he's been telling them this, and they don't really get it, and it's finally starting to happen. There's this real tension starting to to occur. And so um, this is what happens. Actually, could I trouble someone to get me some water? I'm really sorry. I should have grabbed something. Thanks, Hannah. Um, We're going to start reading from verse 12, and uh, we're in Mark 11. This is what it says. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany. So this is Monday morning. Jesus was hungry. (laughs) You know, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Seems a little bit, um, little bit interesting, a little bit crazy. Maybe the disciples are sort of going, did you just hear Jesus say that? That's a bit weird. You know, <laughs> settle down, you know. <laughs> anyway, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He would not allow anyone to carry merchandise. Let's see if this fits. There we go. He would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about this. Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching when evening came Jesus and his disciples went out of the city so that's monday done he's out back out of the city in the morning as they went along so it's the next day tuesday morning as they went along they're heading back to jerusalem they saw the fig tree withered from the roots peter remembered and said to jesus rabbi look the fig tree you cursed has withered. Oh my goodness, It's going to be a long one. <clears throat> Thanks. <clears throat> Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So as we start off today, a couple of things we need to uh, think about to get a better understanding of what's going on here because at the moment it looks like Jesus is entering into Passion Week with a fair bit of stress and he's starting to do some irrational things, right? Like uh, first he's cursing this fig tree because he's hungry and it's not even the season um, for figs to have fruit and then he's flipping tables over in the temple and that's a bit crazy and now he's telling us we we can get mountains to be thrown into the sea and it's like, what is actually going on here? What's he trying to tell us? And so I'm hoping that we can have a look at a couple of those things. (coughs) <coughs> Maybe that'll help. <coughs> Let's see. Um, the first thing to know is that the cleansing of the temple, right, that story that we just read, it's been purposefully sandwiched between um, this story of the fig tree, right? It's, it's there on purpose. These two, these two things are connected, right? As though Jesus was illustrating with the parable what he saw happening in the temple. And we need to get a hold of this if we're going to make any good sense out of it, right? Or grab an understanding of what Jesus is doing here. The fig tree and even the vine have long been symbols of the nation of Israel, right? That's something you see right through the Old Testament. And Jesus, the Messiah, has now come to his people hungry to see them bearing fruit, right? Hungry to see people living in vibrant, fruitful relationship with God. And yet he's not finding any of that. Right, so that's a little bit of the picture there. While there was outward promise and profession of religion and piety, the system of the temple and of the nation of Israel in Jesus' day, it, um, it, it had become it had become fruitless. Right, There was no fruit in it is kind of what he's, what he's trying to get at. It was no longer able to do what it was supposed to do. And so when Jesus said um, over the fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, Jesus is declaring his judgment, on the religious system of the temple. <coughs> he's saying this is no longer the way of finding a fruitful connection to God. Right? If you think that you'll be able to connect with God and find salvation through this religious system, then you'll always be left hungry. Right? This is kind of what he's, what he's getting at here. So what was going on with the temple? Why was there something wrong with the temple? And, and particularly on this day that Jesus enters in, what is he trying to get at, right? What was making him so angry that he was ready to be flipping tables? The way the temple was set up was that you had various temple courts, right? And, um, and it was kind of like layers of access to the presence of God, right? And if you think of the Jews as, as this nation who were like, God's presence is for us, right? That was their approach to the temple. This is for us. This is our temple. Um, and really, we're being oppressed by these people who are trying to tell us how to run our temple, right, the Roman rule. And there was this real political tension, religious tension. <clears throat> and the leaders of the day were setting up the temple to be a certain, um, certain way. So there was this tiered system for entering into the temple, um, You had the innermost parts for the really religious leaders and chief priests and so on. And then as you got further out, you had a temple court for women, one for the Gentiles, even those who were non-Jewish people. And it was in these outer temple um, courts that the marketplace for buying and selling was being set up, right? And this was a big issue, right? There is a bit of a problem here because it's like they're setting up shop in the place that... Um, you know, the all nations, the, the, the people who are on the outer would have tried to access God. The Gentiles would have tried to access God there and that's where they're setting up shop. Okay, so that's a bit of an issue. They're making it hard for people who don't normally fit in with the system to access God and his presence, to be able to actually come in and, and experience prayer because prayer is really just relationship and worship of God, right? Aligning ourselves with his will, accessing his presence. <clears throat> so that's something that was going on. There was this attitude toward Gentiles that it was like, hey, particularly at a time of a festival like the Passover, it was like, hey, you guys don't actually matter. We need some more space. You can just, you know, take a step aside for a second. Particularly, um, yeah, during a, during a festival like the Passover, the city of Jerusalem has heaps of Jewish pilgrims. You know, people have come from all over. They're entering in so that they can make a sacrifice to God there, right? And rather than making a journey from home where um, you would, you know, maybe select your best lamb from the flock and then try and protect it because your sacrifice had to be pure and it had to be really like a, like an acceptable sacrifice. You would, you would not make the journey with your sacrifice. You'd just take a bit of pocket money and say, we'll get one when we get there, right? That's how it worked. Much simpler way when you've got masses of people coming to do this. So he goes into the temple, you go into the temple, you go and you, uh, you buy your sacrifice. Oh, beauty. Yeah, that's a good one. That'll be a good sacrifice. Another thing that happened was the temple had its own, um, basically its own currency, right? And so if you've come from somewhere else where you use a different type of coin, you've got to go there, go up to the money, money changes, the, the exchange, and um, change your coins as well. So that was another factor of what's going on here. The other thing is. These temple courts um, also make a pretty good shortcut between the Mount of Olives and the city of Jerusalem as well. And so this is kind of becoming a thoroughfare. It's not really, um, you know, being used for its purpose, you know. Gee this is a long one. I'm sorry. Oh, I'd love something like that. Thanks. Funnily enough, I did the same thing for Fee the other night when we were at small group. She, I gave her some mints, so maybe this will help me. Thank you, Fee. We'll see how that goes. So, this is what was happening in the temple. And um, it's, you know, likely a very normal practice at a very busy time for the temple, but this is what's going on. And um, Jesus is seeing this. He's probably grown up seeing this happen year after year, different festivals, busy times. And yet now, he seems ready to tell us something important <clears throat> about the way the temple is being treated. After kicking over tables, clearing out the temple court, literally putting a stop to all of this stuff. Thank you. Gordon, I might be getting you to read my notes. Nah, I'm joking. Not, not, not at that point yet. <laughs> After kicking, kicking over tables, um, you know, telling, uh, telling everyone to stop, driving out all of these people who just got there, you know, taking up this temple court space that was being used for the wrong reasons, he says this, my house... Shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. <coughs> Gee whiz, sorry, guys, it's not good. Eh? <coughs> it's giving you time to think on each point. <coughs> okay, so he says, "My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations." You have made it a den of robbers, right? He's saying this place that was originally designated for all people, right, right from the beginning, all people, all nations to have access, even in the Old Testament, all nations to have access to worshipping God, right? This place that was supposed to be a light to the rest of the world has actually um, been turned into something else, right? It's being turned into a place that is actually like, like peddling a national piety, you know, like, hey, we're pretty good. Look at our temple. This is is what this was. It was like a marketplace for Jewish political and religious ideologies, right? It was like the thinking was if we keep up with all of these laws and sacrifices and if we do this right, then one day all the nations will see that we were right and they were wrong to oppress us. This is a bit of the attitude that was going on here. God will come and free us from oppression of Roman and Gentile rulers, the temple had become this kind of like violent reaction towards anything that wasn't Jewish. (coughs) That was the attitude of the leadership of the day. That was the attitude of of the Jewish people of the day as well, particularly a pious Jew. Jesus is saying to them, guys, you've got it wrong. (laughs) You've turned this into something that's not supposed to be. Right? He says, not only that, in a few days, I'm going to do away with the system of the temple altogether. Right? That's what Good Friday is. He's saying, man, this whole system, right? It's going to be withered from the roots, it's going to be destroyed. No one will ever be able to eat from it again. God's presence won't even be there, right? God's presence will be formed in a new temple, right? And, if, and, and we know that imagery, New Testament imagery, the temple is the body of Christ. Right? What Jesus secures on the, on the cross for us, when he goes to the cross, he says there's a new way. Right? My house, my, the place where I dwell will be the place where I live in relationship with my people. Right? And so after saying all of this, you can start to see why the chief priests and the teachers of the law begin to look for a way to kill him. They're pretty angry about his, uh, his attitude. So what does all this have to do with you and me in the church today? <clears throat> Maybe some have taken this um, story to sort of look at... Oh, it's okay, thank you. Um, ...to look at uh, a way of outlining how God and money don't mix, um, as though the church ought never to create a marketplace for itself, um, nor should we be commercialising our religion. There's kind of like that, that application is, is fairly relevant but I think the message Jesus is trying to get across is much deeper than that. I've only got a page and a half to go, guys. (laughs) Woo! Hang in there with me. Jesus is bringing judgment on people who might think that the church or trying to access God's presence is only for a specific type of person. Right Only if you fit with the system, only if you um you know grew up in the church, or only if you understand the way that we do things here, and if you 're outside of that system, if you don't normally seem to fit in with church people, um, then actually you know this isn't really about you, right, so we can sort of pedal our own ideologies in church. The the way we'd like things to be, even even political agendas and such. And Jesus is saying, "Hold on, guys, do not dare turn my house into that sort of thing." You know, he's saying, "My house, the, the place where we gather, the place where my presence is. It's actually about all people accessing me." You know, and and not letting there be any hindrance to that. You know, and so we can certainly be guilty. I know I've been guilty of sort of thinking. Man, that person is just so far from God. Like, I don't know what I would do if they decided to come to church, you know, or I don't even know, um, you know, whether that person belongs or this sort of thinking. Jesus is saying, hold on, it's for all people. (coughs) Jesus and the disciples head back out to Bethany outside of the city for the night. So this is Monday night and um, they're on their way back into the temple. Jesus is going to continue his ministry. Peter points out, the fig tree is withered. Rabbi, have a look. You know, it's, it's, it's dead. It's only been a day. He's kind of in shock. And Jesus says this. Pretty int- he goes into this little interesting teaching on um, prayer and faith. He says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And so it kind of um, shifts gear a little bit in this passage in a very interesting way. But I think that um, what he's sort of saying with this (coughs) throwing mountains into the sea thing, he's he's actually talking about a prayer of faith here. He's saying the city of Jerusalem, um, he's definitely referring to that when he talks about this mountain. Right. It's in the context of this, this city, this temple that was built on top of a mountain right where Jerusalem was and he's saying the prayer of faith can take this mountain, this, this nationalism, this, this nation, this temple, this system that is kind of skewed the way we can access God's, God's um, presence and he says the prayer of faith can flip it on its head. He says, the prayer of faith can take this whole system that's just not really been what it was intended to be and it can wither it from the roots and it can throw it into the sea and there can be a new way to access God's presence. The prayer of faith says, God, I need you in my life. I need your, need your presence. I want to be able to access you. And, and the prayer of faith says, I can do that without having to climb this mountain, without having to become a pilgrim, without having to um, do all of this process in the temple, without having to fulfill these laws, someone else has done the sacrifice for me. You know, and, that, and we know that is Jesus, right, on Good Friday. And so keeping in mind, we're coming to a time of response now, keeping in mind things that separate people from accessing God's presence, maybe there's things in your own life where you're like, man, I just feel like getting to Jesus right now is like climbing a mountain. I feel like I've got to guard this little lamb all the way up the mountain and then got to exchange my money and then I got to get the sacrifice done and and if I can push in and make room in the temple court and all this sort of business. Maybe there's something in your life where you feel like this is just holding me back from from accessing God's presence and his power. And if that's true, um, today the, there's good news. There's a, you can pray a prayer of faith today because and and Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer, a house where you can access my presence, where you can enter into relationship. And, and maybe you want to bring those things today before God, you know, knowing that there's no hindrance. There's room in the temple, if you like. There's a room in this in this moment now where you can say, God, this is all the stuff that's happening. This is all the difficult things I'm going through. Um, this is the sacrifice, like I, I need your sacrifice again. And this is what I need it for because I'm going through X, Y, Z. And you can bring that to God and, and he, he'll say, hey, I died for you. I died for this situation. There's hope and there's, um, there's a way to... Uh, to access me and my intervention. There's a way to access my grace that that goes through the sacrifice of Jesus. So I'm going to finish now because I can't talk much longer, (coughs) but I'm going to pray. And if you want to respond in that way today, if you want to respond in a way that says, um, you know, God, there's some things that I feel separate me from you, um, even just trying to get to get to church and to be here and um, yeah i 'm just thinking of all that you know may, maybe maybe god 's speaking to you about that and um, and so let 's pray I want you to respond the way god 's leading you to, heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your presence and the way that it 's free for all to access pray that you're um, yeah, just that your presence would be here, that we'd be able to know um, that you're ready to receive us, however we are. Pray that you'd get rid of the, the, the religion that can get in the way, the things that can um, get in the way of us accessing you. Pray that we'd know your presence, whether we're here, whether we're at home, whether we're anywhere, God, and that you would um, make, that, make that possible for us.